Thank you, Bill. Good morning, Encounter Church. Glad that each of you are able to be joining with us. Go ahead and uh, grab one of those Bibles uh, there at your seat and turn into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19. Uh, You'll find the book of Acts there in the New Testament. And if you are using one of those shiny new Bibles uh, there at your seat, you'll find it on page 1580. So 1580 is where we're at. Acts uh, chapter 18 actually is where we'll be spending our time. And uh, as Bill has already mentioned, we did get uh, new Bibles. If you, we do have some of the old uh, chair Bibles available, and so if you or someone else you know is interested in one of the Bibles, by all means, uh, we're happy to give them away, and so just let me know, and uh, you're welcome to take one of them. But Acts chapter 18, I'm going to begin re- by reading there in verse 18, and uh, all the way through the end of chapter 18, so go ahead and follow along with me as I begin reading Acts chapter 18, verse 18. We're told that Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time, and then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centria because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself then went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. And when he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. And meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord And he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him And they wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. A quick tour around our home and around some of our property You might notice up in the trees uh, what appear to be two-by-four boards or boards of some sort having been attached to those trees, some of them rather loosely by maybe a three-inch screw or two. Now, those boards are not just boards, but those are the makings of some sort of dream of a treehouse, again, 
currently we have three trees that occupy two by fours that have scattered. A week or so ago, we actually had four trees, but by the direction of their mother, they received instruction to take down at least one of the supposed tree houses around our property. Well, this one particular tree house was come up in the mind, it was dreamed up in the mind of Anders, who tends to have more of a, of a design mind. He has a mind for space and, and design. And this particular tree house, uh, again, I, I'm using that term tree house loosely because it's really, it, it's not a tree house. It's, I don't know what to call it, but it's two by four, a bunch of two by fours there in the tree. But in Anders' mind, and I mean, this, this tree house, it has a walkway, right? He has a, a wooden pallet hanging off of the tree there. At one point, he incorporated a, a livestock panel gate in, in this whole design. It was very, I well, almost might say, kind of Frank Lloyd Wrightish a little bit. But on this tree house, you'll notice that there are many supports on it. And Anders even at, at his young age of nine years old, understands the importance of having something to support the weight of whatever, whoever might dare walk the plank, because literally one of them is a, a, basically a plank up there. Anyone who might dare walk the plank, they're going to want to make sure that that treehouse is adequately supported, might I even say strengthened. Now, we know even at a young age, children learn rather quickly that if a structure is going to be sustained for a long term, it must have adequate support. Even in thinking about this, you look around anywhere. Nothing stands alone for a very long time without some type of structural system. I'm sure at this point in time, if I really wanted to, I could talk to Bruce Swetnam and he could explain all of the finer details of support and structure. We know even, you even look at the mighty oak tree. Well, how does that mighty oak tree that above the surface appears to just be this singular trunk that's supporting all of these limbs, we understand that that mighty oak tree is strengthened by a support system underneath. Now, I say all of that. Because there in verse 23, you'll notice that as Paul is beginning, what is his third missionary journey? Again, we've been going through the book of Acts, and, and we've been reading and studying through his first missionary journey and his second. And, and now at this point there in verse 23, Paul is beginning his third missionary journey. But there's, there's an interesting phrase that I, that I got hung up on this week and that we are going to discuss this morning. You see there at verse 23, again, it says, just follow along again, hopefully you got those nice new crispy Bibles open in front of you, just so you know, like Pearson was first to tell me, he said, Mike, he said, Dad, I'm the first one to ever open this new Bible, right? You're the first one, so hopefully it's open there. At the, there in verse 23, it says, after spending some time in Antioch, and we'll talk about that here in a bit, but after spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to th place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia. And what is he doing? 
it says he is strengthening all the disciples. He is strengthening all of the disciples. It gives us this understanding that Paul is coming along and he is providing them encouragement and support. Because the, the same is true, right? There's very little that is able to stand on its own in the physical world, but the same is true within the church. As followers of Jesus Christ, we cannot stand by ourselves. But instead, we need the support system. We need the strengthening of other believers to come into our lives. And this is what Paul is set about doing. Now, this word, strengthening the disciples, you'll find it numerous other times. You find it in Acts chapter, back in Acts chapter 14. You find it in a number of Paul's letters where he, where he brings to our mind, brings to our understanding that Paul is about the business of strengthening the disciples. Now, what's interesting, if you were here last week, you'll remember that early, right in the first part of chapter 18, we learned that Paul found himself at a weary state, didn't we? Right? We, we, had, we had some encouragement for the wearied witness that we discussed last, last week. So, Paul was so wearied, in fact, that God came to him in a vision and encouraged him, and, and, and God instructed Paul. He said, Paul, don't give up. Don't give up. Continue to tell people about Jesus. And so what we see here is Paul is in this wearied state. But now let's look back here. Okay, let's look at our text there at verse 18. He's there in Corinth when Paul is wearied, right? And, and what does he do? It says he, he stayed for some time. And then in verse 18, it says, Then he left the brothers and sisters there in Corinth, and he sails for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. All right, he spends some time there. Before he had sailed, he had cut his hair cut at Centria because of a vow he had taken. He arrives at Ephesus, where Paul then leaves Priscilla and Aquila. All right, Priscilla and Aquila there in Ephesus. Uh, it's believed that they were very instrumental in starting the church in the city of Ephesus. And, and then Paul himself, he went into the synagogue. He reasons with the Jews there in verse 20 then. The people, they asked him, they said, Paul, can you stay for a longer time? But he declines, it says. And then in verse 21, it says, but as he left, he promised. And he said, I will come back if it's God's will. And then what does Paul do? He set sails for Ephesus. And, and, and then when he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem, he greeted the church, and then he went down to Antioch. In verse 23, it says, after spending some time in Antioch, what's the significance of that church in Antioch? Does anyone know what that significance is? Do you remember? The church of Antioch was, you would call it almost his home church, was his sending church. So here's, here's what we're talking about this morning, all right? We're talking about the importance of strengthening one another, but what we're going to see is that, is that as the church of Antioch, as they strengthen Paul, then Paul is able to strengthen other people. Here's the big idea for this morning's sermon. It's this, is that we are strengthened so that we might in turn strengthen others. That we are strengthened so that we might in turn be able to strengthen other people. Again, last week we learned Paul is weary. He's discouraged. He finds himself at the end of the rope, uh, uh, at the end of his rope. Paul, what does Paul do? Paul sets sail, right? 
the people at Ephesus say, hey, Paul, will you stick around for a while? <laughs> and Paul declines. You almost get the sense that Paul is, Paul is still weary, right? And, and he, he makes his way back to his home church, to the church there in Antioch. We're going to see here today that as we are strengthened by others, we will be able to then strengthen other people. And we're going to trace through what this looks like in just these few verses. As one person is strengthened by others, then they in turn strengthen others, who then in turn strengthen others, who then in turn strengthen others. And so let's look first at how the church strengthened Paul how the church strengthened Paul. I can only imagine there in verse 18, again, as he's there in Corinth, he's discouraged, he's weary, he's ready to give up. I can only imagine Paul's desire to get back home, right? Have any of you been away on a trip? And you think to yourself, man, there is just no, I mean, right, to steal a line from the old, from Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz, right? There is just no place like home. Right, you've been away, you've been away from your, your nice soft bed that you're familiar with. Maybe you've been away from your dog or, or family members. Hopefully, you, you're more concerned about being away from family members than your dog. But, but you've been away, and all you want to do is just, you're just like, I just want to get home. And I almost get this sense that if maybe that Paul, as the people in, in Ephesus, as they say, hey, Paul, would you stick around for a, a while longer? Paul just says, you know what, guys, right now, I just, I got to get home. I have to get home. He did promise to them, it says, uh, to return to them sooner or later if the Lord willed. But it just seems that Paul, it's almost like Paul barely rolls into, into Antioch back home. It's, I envision it being like the car that barely makes it to the gas station just on fumes. Did anyone else play that game like we do sometimes, right? <laughs> it gets lower and lower, and you're starting to bury that needle into the E, and, and you're like, oh, man, where's the gas station? Where is it? It's, I envision Paul, as he just rolls in almost just on fumes. And the significance of the church there in Antioch is that it is his sending church. In Acts 16, you can read about how the believers there, they rallied behind Paul and they sent him out. And they commissioned Paul there into that missionary service. And, and here it says then in verse 18, it, it says that, that Paul, or, or rather in verse 23 rather, it says after spending some time in Antioch, Paul very well may have, have spent a year and a half to two years there with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And church, I really hope that, right, as we come here on a Sunday morning, that we can experience that rejuvenation, that we can strengthen one another, and that we, like, like as sometimes on Sunday mornings, maybe you come here and you are just feeling like you're running on fumes. Maybe your week has been incredibly difficult, right? You're, you're just frazzled to the, to the limit then hopefully that when you get together with your home church, with the body of believers, that you can be strengthened. That this can be a family where we support and we sustain one another. That this can be a safe harbor for the worn out and the weary. And so we get the sense that Paul is indeed being strengthened by the church. Now you might say, well, what exactly does it look like, right? to be strengthened. What does that process, what, Paul, what, what would, was Paul talking about as, as then in, at, at, 
at the end of verse 23 where it says, Paul then, right after being strengthened by the church there in Antioch, Paul set out from and he traveled from place to place throughout the region and he's strengthening all, the, of, all of the disciples. What does that look like? Well, later in another one of Paul's letters, again, it's interesting to connect a lot of these letters back to the book of Acts. All right, later in, in, one of these, in one of his letters, as Paul is writing back to the church of Thessalonica, in fact, let's go ahead and turn there, okay? Again, you got these nice shiny Bibles, we're going to use them, all right? Uh, but let's go to 1 Thessalonians, all right? And you'll find the book of 1 Thessalonians later back in, in the uh, New Testament, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and again, this is a letter that Paul would have later written back to the church of Thessalonica, a church that he would have visited along his way, along some of these missionary journeys. Uh, but chapter 5, looking specific, starting in verse 11, Paul gives us a, a glimpse of what does it look like to actually take part in the practice of strengthening one another. Like we can talk about what it means right, about the word of, or the instruction of strengthening, but what does that actually look like? So you find here, and it's on page 1,684, if you're trying to find it, page 1,684 for those who are still leafing around, and that's no worries at all. Uh, but he says this, chapter 5, verse 11. He says, therefore, encourage one another, and do what? And build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So again, there it is. Paul, Paul he, he helps us understand the importance of strengthening one another, of building each other up like that treehouse, the support system. You need the strengthening of other believers in your life. And as you are strengthened, then so you should be strengthening one another. And so in verse 11, he says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Now look there at verse 14. And in, in the verses after that, verses 12 and 13 and 14, he then gives them real practical applications of, of what does it look like to strengthen one another. And in, in verse, well, I'll just start there with verse 12. He says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you, right, to be an encouragement to uh, your preachers and your teachers. He says, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. He says, live in peace with each other, right? Nothing strengthens a pastor more than when the church is at peace with one another. And then in verse 14, he turns his attention and he looks specifically to the brothers and sisters. Again, we can get, we understand from this the importance of us strengthening one another. This is not just a task of a pastor or a shepherd or a church leader, but instead it's, it's all of our task. And he says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do what? To warn those who are idle and disruptive, to encourage the disheartened, to help the weak, to be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. He gives, he gives very practical applications, very practical impl uh, applications of, of how you can live out strengthening one another. The first one there, he says, he says care enough to, to warn the idle person, right? He says, one way that you strengthen the church body is to tell those people who are being idle or who are being lazy, either, either in their jobs or in their spiritual walk or within the church, he says, warn them, right? Because we know that idleness is an undisciplined life. Idleness is a form of laziness, 
right? Idleness is the ability to always find an excuse. And Paul says one way that we strengthen one another up is to warn the idle. And then he goes on and he says that we strengthen one another by encouraging the faint-hearted, right? To, to encourage the disheartened, right? The disheartened person is that person who feels dejected or is sorrowful in spirit. Maybe they're filled in, with fear regarding, regarding the difficulties of life, right? The to encourage the faint-hearted person is the picture of someone who comes along, uh, alongside another person and walks with them. It's the idea of, right, we've seen the injured football player or the injured athlete out on the field of play. And what happens to that injured person, right? Others come alongside of them and give them a shoulder to lean on and they, and they limp along with them. Right? That's, again, a way in which we can strengthen one another. He goes on and he says, what's another way that we sh- as a church should be in- encouraging one another? He says, care enough to help the weak person. Well, what does that look like? It might be, for example, taking mer- meals to those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Maybe it's watch- watching the children uh, of a parent, of a single mother, so that the single mother who's worn out can go and, and catch a break. Uh, Maybe we help the weak person by holding another person who's, by, by holding them accountable, who might be struggling with a particular uh, temptation. We help the weak by providing financially for someone, right? Maybe you know an, another person who has, who, who has experiencing or going through hard times or has maybe recently lost their job that we, that we come alongside them. Again, it's that support system, Right, we we can't do this alone, but instead we strengthen one another up, one another up. And then, of course, Paul then in Thessalonians, as he's giving them these instructions, and he also tells them, he says, also be patient with everyone. Right, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? Right, when we're trying to strengthen one another and support each other, uh, we can at times grow rather impatient. And in our mind, we can think, man, why don't you just get it, right? What is your problem? Have you ever thought that toward another person? But Paul says, no, that if we're going to strengthen one another, that we should be patient with them. So we see there, again, now turning our attention back to the book of Acts, that as, as Paul is there, it, there in, with, with, his, with his home church there in Antioch, I can only imagine that Paul is being encouraged. And that's what it looks like to strengthen one another to strengthen the church body that Paul is strengthened with that. Now, I want then to kind of trace this line of this, this line, this lineage of strengthening one another again, because we are strengthened. Why? So that we can then in turn strengthen other people. I want to draw our attention now to see how Paul was one who also strengthened Aquila and Priscilla. You think back to the early verses of chapter 18 that Aquila and Priscilla, they are these religious refugees who roll into town there in Corinth while Paul is there. And what were they? They were tent makers, weren't they? And, and that, was a, that was a common bond that Paul had with Aquila and Priscilla. Priscilla, you might also consider it that they were leather workers, Right? And so it was there during that time that as, that as they teamed together in this effort, in this work, I can only imagine what those conversations must have been like. That, that as they're working, I, I bet they were talking about spiritual matters. I bet they were talking about things of the Lord. I bet that Paul 
was probably investing in the lives of these new believers and he's strengthening them. Right? It's interesting how Paul is able to take a shared activity and marry it together with discipleship. Right? Often when we think about discipleship, we tend to think about it within the context of, right, open the book. Here's the, did you fill in all of the blanks? Do you have all of the blanks right, filled out correctly? Uh, okay, our latte's ready. Okay, so we go and we drink coffee together. That's often how we define discipleship. But what we see is Paul was one who strengthened other believers simply along the way. I've shared with uh, many of you, right, that over uh, the course of these last number of weeks here during the summer, I've had the joy of being able to get up early and go walking with Joshua Bone, right? And it's a shared activity. Not once has Joshua brought along a workbook. Not, not once has he said, Michael, did you get all of the blanks filled in? No, but as we are taking part in that shared activity with one another, there's a strengthening in our walk with the Lord that is taking place. So from 6.30 to about 7.15 on Tuesday mornings, I'm able to pour into Joshua, and Joshua is able to invest in my life too. And so church, I wonder, as we, as we think about how Paul went about it with Aquila and Priscilla, they're leather workers, they're tent makers, right? They're probably there sewing and stitching and, and fixing tears in all of the tents as they're brought to them, and they're just talking about Jesus. So church, I wonder if maybe we need to start expanding our understanding of what it looks like to strengthen other believers, Right, what if we started thinking differently about discipleship? What if we started thinking differently about, about how we go about investing in the lives of people? What if we started to think about the opportunity to just simply start to invite other people to join us in activities or events that we're already doing? This past Wednesday evening, uh, our encounter group got together at Broad Run Park we ordered a bunch of Little Caesars pizzas. We sat, the kids played, and the adults uh, were able to have some really encouraging conversation during that. As we got home, my wife, Marin, she made the comment. She said, oh, Michael, she said, you know what we forgot to do? She said, I forgot to invite our neighbors to join with us, to take part in that. And what Marin's, her mind, her thought process is this, is that we don't have to, we don't have to plan all of these different extra events to invest, to strengthen the lives of other people. Simply just inviting people into what we're already doing. I think of Bill Reynolds, right? Bill, sitting here, Bill enjoys golfing. I don't enjoy golfing, but Bill enjoys golfing. Well, that, what, what an opportunity for Bill to be able to invite other people into that shared activity, that shared opportunity. What if you started inviting uh, 
young men or young women into pro to, to doing, I know this sounds crazy, but into doing projects around your home, right? Maybe you have a fence that needs to be fixed. Well, we've got some strong high school boys here. We've got some very capable, strong high school gals here too. What if you invited them in and you took the time to invest in their lives to walk alongside them in that effort? Maybe you enjoy cooking. Well, why, why aren't we inviting other people into our lives into our homes and investing in them. Again, we're not creating all of these different activities, but instead we're just inviting them into what we're already doing. And over that, we're strengthening the disciples. We're investing in the lives of people. I think maybe a question that we as a church should ask routinely is, who can I invite to join me in this activity? Who can I invite to join me in this activity? Or who can be encouraged by what we can do together? Who can be encouraged by what we can do together? What we see is Paul was constantly looking for opportunities to strengthen other disciples, to, to invest in the lives of other people. We see here that Paul strengthened Aquila and Priscilla. Now here's where it gets really exciting, right? Now what we see is those who are strengthened should then go on and strengthen other people. And what we see is that Aquila and Priscilla then went on to strengthen Apollos. Look in verses 25, 24 and 26. Look and see, let, follow along with me as, we, as this young man by the name of Apollos rolls into town. What's interesting is, again, so if, if you remember, you look back uh, up there in uh, where, where Paul uh, talks about where he left uh, where he left Priscilla and Aquila there in Ephesus, okay? He left them, okay? What happens is, verses 24 now, Paul, has, Paul, is, Paul is away from the situation here. Paul, at this point in time, verses 24 through the end of the chapter, this is kind of a flashback back to what is taking place in Ephesus. Paul is, at this time, is in Antioch. He's with his home church, being encouraged by them. Now what we see in verses 24 through the end of the chapter, we see how those whom Paul has invested his life in, those whom he has strengthened, how they are now strengthening other people. So Priscilla and Aquila, they're there in Ephesus. They're helping encourage the saints. Paul trusted in their leadership. He trusted in their ability to minister to other people. And in verse 24 then, a Jew by the name of Apollos, this young guy, he rolls into town. Here's what we see. It says, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, that's there in Egypt, right? It was kind of a high society Alexandria was. Apollos, he comes to Ephesus. What are we told? It says he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor or great passion. And he taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. So Apollos, who is well-spoken, he's very articulate. He's very clear and concise. He has, right, he, he probably, on his resume, he probably would have had all types of different schools of academic achievement listed on that resume, 
right? And so he's teaching what he knows, and, he's, and it says that he taught about Jesus accurately to the point of what he knew, though he knew only about the baptism of John. So there was, there was a lot about Jesus that, jo- that Apollos was not aware of, but what happens? Verse 26, it says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home, and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture that here we have Apollos, this young man who's from Alexandria, which was a famous center of learning. Luke refers to him as being an eloquent man, which we, we realize he was well-spoken. He was probably trained in rhetor- rhetoric. He was probably able to communicate in a very clear manner. He probably held people's attention, right? They probably didn't fall asleep on him because he, he had a dynamic presence right there from, from the stage. We also see that Luke describes him as being mighty in the scriptures, that he knew how to piece together the different aspects of the Old Testament, right? Those major themes. And it says that he was fervent in spirit, that he had a zeal, that, that he boiled over in his understanding of God's word. And yet we see that Apollos did not have it all together. He was still in process. And so what, what happens is Aquila and Priscilla, they step into this opportunity. And they see this opportunity to invite Apollos into their home, all right? And maybe they, maybe they did serve him some coffee and cookies. Who knows, right? They invited him into their home, and they began to invest in his life. And they strengthened him. Again, those who are strengthened should go on and strengthen other people. It's like that support system, holding it all together. Now, I think you also have to think about this, right? Put yourself in Apollos' sandals in his shoes, right? Here we have a young man, right? Maybe he would have been listed among the, right, the top 40, under the age of 40, kind of this up-and-comer, right? Well-spoken, and people are, right, people probably after he was done, they would say, man, that was a great speech. Woo, you really brought it today. You have to put yourself in in Apollos' shoes that here he's he's trained, he's well-learned, but what also is he? He's able to be taught, He's able to be taught, right? If, if we are going to be strengthened, we have to be willing to be taught. We have to be willing to receive correction. We, we have to be willing, we have to have ears to hear the encouragement that other people have to be able to speak into our lives, Right? The fact that Apollos received this, it shows that he was a teachable and humble man. Right? In church, I wonder that as, as we come and as we gather together, as we seek to strengthen one another, do you have a teachable and humble spirit that is willing to receive instruction from other people who are able to invest in your lives? I am thankful for uh, Joyce and Denise just this week agreed to disciple another young lady within our church body who is young in the faith. And so you have these, these two women, 
who understand the importance of being able to invest in the lives of another, in the life of another person. And both of, I tell you, both Denise and Joyce, as bubbly as they are, right, they're excited to be able to step into this opportunity. And church, I wonder, who are you? Like, uh, are you looking for those opportunities to be like an Aquila and a Priscilla? To put your arm around another person and to say, hey, let's walk together. And I'd like to strengthen you. I'd like to invest my life in you. And then what do we have, right? Okay, so, so we, we understand how Paul is strengthened by the church. He goes, to, he, he goes back to Antioch and he spends a couple of years, uh, maybe a year and a half to two years there being strengthened by the church. We understand that Paul strengthened uh, Aquila and Priscilla. He invested in their lives. Aquila and Priscilla then go on to invest and strengthen Invest in the life of Apollos, and then what happens? We say, see how then Apollos goes out, and what does he do? He strengthens the church. Look, look here, it says, all right, verse 27. Okay, so Apollos is spending some time learning from Priscilla and Aquila. And then in verse 27, it says, When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him. <clears throat> and they wrote to the disciples there, to welcome him. Church, I think about uh, Randy this week is traveling to Nicaragua, right? On Thursday, he'll be boarding a plane, and for six and a half weeks, he is going to be going there to tell people about Jesus, right? What an encouragement that, like, to some extent, we are, we are participating in this too. And so, church, I tell you that to make sure that you are praying for Randy and that you're encouraging him and that you're supporting him in different ways. We see the important role of a church gathering around these sent ones and encouraging them in this. And so what does it say? It says they, the, the church, the brothers and sisters, they encouraged him. They wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, what is it? He was a great help to those who by grace had believed. So what does Apollos do when he shows up to, into town? Does he just all right, sit back and kind of kick his feet up? No, what does it say? He then in turn went to be a great help to the body of believers. Again, those who are strengthened go on to strengthen other people. We support one another in this. It says, when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. And what did he do? He vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from scriptures that what? That Jesus was the Messiah. That Jesus was the Messiah. Apollos spends his time, his efforts, pointing people to Jesus. I do wonder at times, uh, church, what are we spending our lives doing? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what, where are you investing your time? What, how are you, how are we being intentional and looking for those opportunities to strengthen, to invest in, to pour our lives into other people. 
into that which ultimately, truly will matter. Paul made it a point to constantly be about the business of strengthening other believers. And I wonder, how can we grow in that? How should we grow in that? A couple weeks ago, actually, at Trent and Addie's wedding, welcome back, Trent. I'm glad you and Addie survived your honeymoon. But it was there at Trent and Addie's wedding that I spoke to, uh, it would be Addie's uncle. Uh, her uncle, Mark, uh, certainly a family friend of ours. Um, three years ago, he had a, his 16-year-old son died. His 16-year-old son uh, had taken his own life. Certainly uh, what we would consider to be a, a very incredibly tragic event. And through my, my conversation with Mark, he said, you know, Michael, and he's talking about this as hard as it must have been. I mean, as hard as it is, as, as, as they have walked through this, this unimaginable circumstance. He said, you know, Michael, he said, I would never wish this on anyone. He said, but God has used this in my life. He said, because I came to the point to where I started asking myself the question, what am I living for? As in not like questioning, what, should he die or should he? But what's, what, what am I aiming after? What, what's my purpose in life? And he said, I came to realize that it only matters that what's most important, he said, is whether or not I'm telling people about Jesus and helping them to grow in him. And he said, since that event, he has become more vigorous. He has become more, more passionate about telling people about Jesus. He said, Michael, he said, I make it a goal every day to give away some sort of gospel pamphlet to let people know about Jesus. And he also shared with me how he has gotten more involved in the youth group there at his church, recognizing the importance of stepping into the lives of these young people and helping them and walking with them through this important season of their lives. And he said, Michael, it, all, the, all it boils down to is Jesus. And we get this sense, right? What does Apollos do? Apollos just, he, he just says, I'm going to give you Jesus. And church, I wonder, how are we becoming more intentional in discipleship, and strengthening other people. Right? Those who are strengthened then in turn should strengthen one another. And that's the call this morning as we see this timeline of Scripture of those. Paul is strengthened by the church. He strengthens then strengthens Priscilla and Aquila. They go on to strengthen Apollos. Apollos then goes on to strengthen other believers. And we should do the same. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for those who have invested in our own lives. God, we're thankful for those who have come alongside us to help us grow in our faith, to help us walk this road of faith. Lord, I pray that you would help us now that as we have seen from your word and from the example of Scripture, the importance of strengthening one another. 
God, I pray that we would be challenged to invite other people in and to give our lives to telling people about you and to helping people grow and to be strengthened in walking with you. And so God, take these words that have been spoken and I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would encourage and challenge us and change us. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Each Sunday we take time to remember what Jesus has done for us there on the cross. It's almost as if right, Priscilla and Aquila, as they teach and instruct Apollos, that they bring to his understanding the work that Christ did for him there on the cross, and Apollos then cannot remain silent. He goes and he tells people about this work that Jesus has done and each Sunday we remind ourselves of that don't we and we come to the Lord's table